Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
I know we share family ties And all the world keeps telling us How you and I are really so alike It's not about the language or geography No connection to color, shape, or size It's rooted deep in our history It's a spark that we carry inside If we join as one today We can be
שקרוב אליי, רציתי שנהיה חברים. אני, אתה וכל העם הזה, אולי נחדש את הקשרים. אולי לא מדברים אותה שפה בכלל, הכובע והצבע לא דומים. כי אנחנו משפחה אחת, זה חיבור שקיים לעולמים. כי כולנו לב Thank <laughs> you. 
J.M. in the A.M. Yaakov Shweki, Yishtabach Shemo, and One Heart. Shlomo Kalbach by request with Mimkomcha. Leif Tahar, a tip of the hat to Mark Zamek, who did an amazing Erev Shabbos show, which you'll hear 10 o'clock Eastern time this morning, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. A wonderful Erev Shabbos show dominated by Leif Tahar selections. Uh, we played Anim's Mirot and Shabbat in Gilo. Yismuchu, that was Shlomo Katz. We said we have a major announcement this morning. It's very simple. A week from Monday on the 11th of February, Shlomo Katz will be in this studio for JM in the AM. A week from Monday on the 11th of February, Shlomo Katz, with his guitar, visits JM in the AM. And we are very much looking forward to that visit. Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this first day of February, the 26th of Shvat. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Mishpatim with candle lighting in New York at 4.53. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 4.53 in the New York area. We will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, the Rosh Chodesh Adar 1, the first Adar Rosh Chodesh, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. That's Rosh Chodesh Adar 1. Get set. For a hopefully joyous 
two months of Adar. Yeah, why have joy or increase joy for one month when Pezrat Hashem, we could have it for two months? So the Rosh Chodesh Adar comes up on Tuesday and Wednesday. Make sure to, um, uh, when we bench uh, Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, make sure to include those two days in the uh, in the Rosh Chodesh benching. 12 degrees outside. You heard me correctly. It's 12 in New York with 40, 47% humidity. I think it's 12 in the studio. Winds are west at 6 miles an hour. Cloudy today with a high temperature of 24. Then tonight, mostly clear, a low of 18. Uh, tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature going up all the way to 38 degrees. Baruch Hashem. Yushalayim's at 55. We're at 12 in New York City as we say good morning at the JM and the AM. Well, uh, it's a big Friday for us. A lot of people to thank. We had an incredible journey down to Atlanta. Uh, really an incredible journey. Four unreal JM and the AMs with people from so many parts of the southeastern United States. I thank the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. I thank the Orthodox Union, Alan Fagan, um, Naftali Herman, everybody who had a role in uh, everything that we did all week long. I want to thank the Steinreich Communications Company. Uh, Steinreich Communications responsible for getting the word out to the world about our journey down to Atlanta, and I thank them. Um, it was really a uh, a wonderful, wonderful visit. A special shout-out to the Spicy Peach. They took good care of us, Jody and company. A special shout-out to the Schloss family. Without Lydia and Rabbi Norman Schloss, we would have been... Uh, we would not have been nearly as well-rested and as efficient as we were down in Atlanta. So thank you to the Schloss family. Heartfelt thanks. Um, they they taught all of us a lesson in how to be machnis oreach, how to host visitors. They really did teach us a lesson. Uh, so thank you to the Schloss family down in Atlanta. Uh, and then so many other people who we had an opportunity to thank during the week and who we acknowledged as um, leaders in the community and uh, and people who helped us from the very beginning of this process. It was really an amazing lineup, uh, an incredible array of people. It was wonderful to welcome not only those from Atlanta, but people from Jacksonville and Birmingham and Charleston and Charlotte and so many other areas that we, that we spoke about during the uh, visit to Atlanta. And to learn about the Jewish communities down there, it was just great. It was just great. So I thank everybody. And, of course, one of the reasons we were down in Atlanta is because the world was focused on Atlanta as this big game uh, happens on Sunday. And uh, we were down there to film our uh, kosher halftime show, which this year has, a, has, a, has much more of a comedy angle than a musical angle. Uh, and we are hoping that people during halftime will be laughing. <laughs> Mayor Kay has directed it. Um, Daniela Javiel, the Hasidic violinist from Israel and Sammy Kay, the, the rapper from the Orthodox community of Atlanta are both featured in it. That in and of itself is an interesting partnership. Um, they're both featured in it. I know a lot of you saw the promos already and, and are starting to get the, the direction that this kosher halftime show is, uh, moving in. A big, big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm. Again, a big, big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm for, again, uh, sponsoring and presenting our Kosher Halftime Show so we can go ahead and uh, and do what we did. A big thank you to all of our commercial sponsors and to everybody who worked so hard to put the Kosher Halftime Show together as it continues through the process. 
until we get to 8 o'clock Eastern Time Sunday night when we make it available on our Facebook page and, of course, on our website, uh, YouTube channel, etc. So that's the that's what's happening. It's the sixth Kosher Halftime Show. A lot of people looking forward to it, as are we, frankly, because we haven't seen the final version yet, but we will soon. And, um, and that's that. So get ready for a really fun weekend with that and, um, and an interesting one. Um, lots, lots will be spoken about Monday morning that I can almost guarantee. Um, so there you have it. So a big thank you to everybody who really made this week a, a, a remarkable week. It's much appreciated. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us from Israel for the weekly update. Rabbi Yudin is back. He'll join us from the United States with the uh, Torah portion of Mishpatim. Um, and, uh, we will, and we have a, a full weekend, as you know, of Rummy tomorrow night with Saturday Night Seagull. Matis is back. Again, our best wishes to him and his family as uh, he has finished the Shiva period. He'll be back on uh, Sunday, on JM Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Um, so lots happening, lots going on, and uh, and really a great, great week. My thanks to Mayor Ferdig for joining us down there with the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Uh, big thank you to the uh, OU. Naftali Herman joined us and uh, had many representatives of, it, of a remarkable growing Southern Jewish community, which was so great to cover. The whole thing was so great to cover. It was so great to be part of this whole discovery of the Jewish South of 2019. So there you have it. Um, plenty, to do, plenty to do, plenty to talk about. Uh, Malcolm Holmline, an hour from now. Uh, big thank you to all of our wonderful sponsors and uh, we have a chance to um, we have a chance to continue here on a Friday morning with some wonderful music and important information. I want to thank who, uh, those who have been commenting on the app so far this morning. Uh, somebody during the Mark Zamek presentation of the um, of the Israel of the Erev uh, Shabbos show uh, commented loving the Leif Tahar marathon on the Arab Shabbos show being rebroadcast in Israel. Now that came from the Robinsons. Hey there, Daniela and Avi. Thanks for so much for commenting. And then during JM the AM, someone writes, good morning, Nahum on this very cold day. You can warm it up with some Kalbach Mimkomcha. That's why we put Mimkomcha on. Listener Devorah says have had trouble getting sympathy this week from the East coast friends about the freezing 37 degrees in the Hermon. Yeah, that's going to be difficult. To get any to get any sympathy from anybody in the east or central region of the United States when it comes to the weather this week, that's for sure. Uh, thanks, Nachum, for warming up my morning. You're awesome. Thank you for that. We have a request for Ms. Marshir by Kalbach. We'll see if we can get to that. Listener Sandy says it's seven degrees in Muncie. Whoo! And the rabbi, the rabbi's out there. The rabbi from Atlanta. Good to hear you back live in the AM. For some reason, Atlanta excitement continues in your absence. I guess there's more going on than just JM and the AM. Who knew? Guten Shabbos. Thank you, Rabbi. That's, the, of course, the rabbi that we met uh, down in Atlanta finally who's been commenting on our app and is uh, spreading the word in Georgia about JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Miami's next. Malcolm Holmline an hour from now. Plenty happening on a Friday, busy Friday era of Shabbos at JM and the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. with Shalshelis and Yibane here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, Yehuda Green, Vuhu Yashmienu. You heard um, Shlemy Gertner with Shabbos, and Miami had Mazel Tov to open up that set. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Mishpatim, candle lighting time at 4.53. We'll venture Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Adar 1 
will be Tuesday and Wednesday. Welcome to a Friday as the whole world was concentrating on uh, Atlanta because of the big Super Bowl this weekend. We were concentrating on Atlanta this week. Um, and the Jewish community of Atlanta, and the Jewish communities of the surrounding cities of the southeast United States. Thanks to the American Committee of Asharid Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Thanks to the OU, the Orthodox Union, for recognizing the importance of our broadcast this week. It was really something, and I hope you enjoyed them. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web, and NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Kosher Halftime Show presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm starts Sunday night, 8 o'clock. NahumSingle.com on our YouTube page, our YouTube channel, and of course on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Nahum Single Network. Get ready for the Kosher Halftime Show. Directed by Mayor Kay, presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm and wonderful commercial sponsors. It's all happening this coming Sunday night during the big game. Should be a lot of fun. A lot of comedy this year. Not as much music. A lot of comedy. A lot of funny episodes. Anyway. <laughs> Golly Tzal in the background. Golly Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Boker Tov from Jam Nam. גליצר השעה שתיים, כאן גוני כהן עם מה שקורה עכשיו. בקשת נתניהו נדחתה. היועץ המשפטי לממשלה מנדלבליט קבע כי ניתן להגיש נגד ראש הממשלה כתב אישום בכפוף לשימוע גם טרם הבחירות. אין כל ממש בטענות המבקשות לייחס להכרעות סיבות לא ענייניות, דוגמת לחץ ציבורי, כך כתב היועץ המשפטי במכתב ששיגר לפרקליטיו של נתניהו. כתבתנו מוריה אסרף מציינת כי על פי הודעת מנדלבליט, ההכרעה לא צפויה להתקבל בשבוע האיחוד האירופי הודיע גם אחרי הברקזיט, אזרחי בריטניה יוכלו לבקר באירופה ללא אשרת שהייה ויזה. על פי החלטת 22 המדינות החברות, הבריטים יורשו לבקר באיחוד לפרק זמן של עד 90 יום ללא צורך באשרת שהייה. פטור זהה מוענק היום גם לאזרחי ישראל. כתבתנו יערה גם מחור, היא מציינת שבאיחוד הבהירו שהפטור יופעל גם אם לא יצליחו לנסח עם הממלכה מתווה. שיסדיר את שאר פרטי הברקזיט. גבר בשנות ה-40 לחייו התמוטט במהלך מרתון ארץ ים המלח. כוחות מגן דוד אדום ביצעו בגבר פעולות החייאה ופינו אותו במצב קשה למרכז הרפואי הדסה בירושלים. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו רמי שני. שלושה אחים מעוספיה נעצרו הלילה בחשד שתקפו מאבטחים בבית החולים בני ציון בחיפה. כתבנו קובי מנדל מציין שהתקיפה בוצעה לאחר שהמאבטחים סירבו לאפשר לשלושה לבקר את אביהם מחוץ לשעות הביקור. על פי הערכות, המשטרה תבקש מבית משפט השלום בחיפה להאריך את מעצרם. מזג האוויר ללא שינוי ניכר בטמפרטורות, בצפון ייתכן גשם מקומי קל ובשבת דומה. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת פרשת משפטים בירושלים ב-4 ו-37 דקות, בתל אביב ב-4 ו-53 דקות, בחיפה ב-44 דקות אחרי 4, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת ב-4 ו-56 דקות. אלה זמני צאת השבת מחר בערב, בירושלים ב-5 ו-51 דקות, בתל אביב ב-5 ו-53 דקות, בחיפה ב-5 ו-51 דקות, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת ב-5 ו-53 דקות. שבת שלום לכולם, אלה החדשות.
J.M. and the A.M. with the Yedidim Choir. Good Shabbos from the album entitled Shirei Pinchas, volume number three. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Mishpatim, candle lighting in New York, 453. Make sure you know when things start where you are. That's the Yedidim Choir with Good Shabbos. Simcha Liner before that with Neshama. Simchas Olam from Chaim David Burson to open up the hour here at J.M. and the A.M. Just got a great comment on the app from the gentleman who wrapped up the entire Atlanta trip for us yesterday. That's Daniel Wenger who was so instrumental from the beginning in really getting us going in Atlanta. He says, what a beautiful showcase of the Southeast you all put together, an amazing array of personalities and organizations. We miss you already. Y'all come back. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you so much again. <laughs> it was great reconnecting with you and uh, and watching you really Shep Nachas from the broadcast that we did down there in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Much appreciated. We're back. We're in our New York City studios. Malcolm Honelines in Israel will join us. Less than a half hour from now, from the Holy Land. Lots to talk about, of course. Um, listener Terry says, good morning. Welcome back to New York. I look forward to hearing Rup Shlomo on your program. I'll be in Efrat then. Yeah, the um, the big news, uh, I said that we had a big announcement regarding Shlomo Katz. We already announced it early this morning. Shlomo Katz, a week from Monday in this studio here at JM the AM. Shlomo Katz, a week from Monday here at JMNAM, we are looking forward to it. Um, should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We'll definitely Facebook Live that show. Are you kidding? Yeah, we're definitely going to Facebook Live that show. I uh, want to thank everybody for their roles in uh, this week. American Committee of Charitetic Medical Center in Jerusalem, Orthodox Union, Steinreich Communications, Everybody who helped us uh, put together, Naftali Herman, thank you. Everybody who helped us put together an amazing array of programming, uh, great guests from far and wide in the southeast region of the United States. It was really remarkable. My own staff here did a yeoman's job, just an incredible job. I want to thank Mayor Kay for directing Kosher Halftime Show 2019 that becomes available this coming Sunday, courtesy of the Rothenberg Law Firm and all of our wonderful commercial sponsors. Big shout-out to kosher.com. Big shout-out to Yeshiva University's executive MBA program. Um, yeah, we have uh, we have quite a kosher halftime show starring Daniela Javiel, the Hasidic violinist, and Sammy Kay, the Orthodox Jewish rapper. Uh, it's a very, very interesting combination. All happens in Super Bowl town, Atlanta. Um, and Mayor Kay directs the whole thing. It's happening Sunday night. It'll be made, av- made available on our website, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network, on our YouTube channel, Nahum Siegel Network. It'll all be available Sunday night during halftime, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, should be a lot of fun. <laughs> We're anticipating a very, very different type of... Uh, Kosher halftime show on the much more comedic side than on the music side. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how everybody enjoys what we are ready to present this coming Sunday night during halftime. I think it's going to be fascinating to say the least. JM and AM Friday morning, candling again, 453. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Adar 1, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Tuesday and Wednesday. 
Rosh Chodesh next week. Matas is back after uh, having uh, gotten up from Shiva. We wish him the only the best, of course, uh, for him and his family in the future. And he uh, rejoins us Sunday morning, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time with JM Sunday. And I thank him for that. So you'll hear him coming up on the Sunday morning right here uh, at the Nahum Siegel Network. Baruch Levine is next. Keep it here at JM in the AM.
Shalim Malachim, Malachi Hashores, Malachi Elion, Mimelech Malachi Amilachim, Akolish Borufu. Shalim Malachim, Malachi Hashores, Malachi
J.M. in the A.M. Miami with Atakadosh. Miami Mizrach, actually, more accurately. Yomzeb before that. Uh, you heard Shlomo Katz, and you know the big uh, the big news is Shlomo Katz will be visiting J.M. in the A.M. with his guitar on the morning of Monday, February the 11th, a week from Monday. We look forward to greeting him and having him join us in studio here at J.M. in the A.M. That should be a lot of fun, to say the least. Uh, so that was Shlomo Katz with Curry Bone. You see Spinner in there with Shalom Aleichem and Anim's Miros done by Baruch Levine. Friday morning, JM in the AM, Erev Shabbos Parshas Mishpatim, candle lighting in New York, 453. Malcolm Holmline It's in Israel, extra special. We get to speak to him from Jerusalem. He'll join us in a minute right here at JM in the AM. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. Check out thousands of articles you can print out before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world at JewishWorldReview.com. And I also want to acknowledge the uh, amazing week we had down in Atlanta as the world is focused on the big football game that supposedly is taking place on Sunday, Boston versus Los Angeles. Um, people didn't believe that the Patriots were once called the Boston Patriots. That's how old I am. I have to convince the young people of all these facts that everyone knew 50 years ago. Anyway, um, so that game is Sunday, but we concentrated on the Jewish community of Atlanta and the Jewish communities of the Southeast region. Thank you to the American Committee for Shared Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem and the Orthodox Union for sponsoring our journey. It was really amazing speaking to people in Atlanta and in Birmingham and Jacksonville and uh, Charleston and Charlotte and so many areas of the Southeast portion of the United States. A great week, and I thank everybody who reacted so well to us in so many different ways, great emails, app comments, etc., about what happened this week. Good to be back in New York City. This coming Sunday, of course, is the Kosher Halftime Show presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm. Uh, Mayor Kay directed the whole thing. Lots of comedy this year, not as much music, but a very interesting team. Those of you who've seen the promos, you know what I mean. Sammy Kay, the Orthodox Jewish rapper, is in it. Daniela Javiel, the, the Hasidic violinist from Israel, is in it. It's a very interesting kosher halftime show that we did in Atlanta. Sunday, 8 p.m., becomes available on our website, Facebook page, etc., Etc. Malcolm Honline, as we said, is in Israel. Malcolm Honline is the executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update on this Friday. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, it's good to be with you from sunny, gorgeous, warm Jerusalem. It ain't warm over here. It's 12 degrees. Where you are, it's somewhere in the 60s. That's quite a difference. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, uh, yes, in many ways. <laughs> I, I'm glad I turned to you for weather analysis this morning. <laughs> that, that worked very well. But yes, it's a vast difference, to say the least, uh, in terms of how you're uh, enjoying the weather and compared to what we're suffering with over here. Um, I didn't realize, and I, I literally just saw this in, in your daily alert, that, there's, uh, that, that this Israeli moon lander has passed its final test. It's going to be heading up into outer space on February the 18th. It has a, uh, a, a, um, a time capsule in it, a digital time capsule. And I believe, I'm, I'm almost sure, I'm being serious now, I'm almost sure that at some point in this process, a year or two ago, somebody from this team visited us at JM&AM and actually took an item of ours 
to be included on the flight. I don't, I don't remember if it was a bumper sticker or some type of memento. This, this is the one that we've been talking about for the last one or two years, correct? That's the one. This is it. And it's this... been talked about for actually much longer. It was part of the Google Challenge, you know, where they offered the $30 million prize, I think, and the five finalist countries, none of them made the deadline, which was March 2018, for a launch. Um, but Israel is still going ahead with the program. And uh, as you said, we'll have a launch in February from Florida, I think, and God um, willing, we'll succeed. But the, the goal was that they had to have been positioned to land a, uh, a rocket on the on the, uh, on the moon. Pretty amazing, I'll tell you. Whoever thought Israel would get to this level of but this became the basis for a lot of scientific education in Israel. The people supported it not just because of the competition, but because the outgrowth based on the. Um, um, uh, you know, the uh, science and uh, all the inventions, people don't know that that were a result of the uh, space program in the United States and elsewhere. Um, everything from uh, eyeglass lenses to to all sorts of uh, medical devices and other things that came out of the research that went into the, the space program. Yeah, they, they always talk about aluminum foil and all that stuff that we ended up getting because of the, uh, because of the development in the space program. Uh, so the IDF Search and Rescue br- Rescue Brigade has again proven to be a, an effective brigade in some area, other area of the world. You think they were appreciated down there in Brazil? Uh, they were very much appreciated, and as you know, Brazil has a new uh, president Bolsonaro who is planning to come to Israel. By the way, um, in uh, not distant future, probably in March, maybe just the week before, so before the election. As you know, the prime minister attended his swearing in right. and. The president, and especially his wife, are both very uh, pro-Israel figures, and so this is um, a great, great move. And you know, it moved from a country that was completely against Israel to uh, whose government was not the people necessarily to uh, now a very different political situation. Yeah, we'll talk more about countries that traditionally were not really for Israel, but are changing their minds in just a few minutes. First, let me ask you about the election. You know, I mean, you're in Israel. I really don't know if you if you get more of a feel, uh, you know, walking the streets, so to speak, uh, of of what's happening election wise. Uh, I think here, especially for people who normally pay careful attention to what's going on in Israel, it's been relatively quiet. There doesn't seem to be much activity. Uh, uh, certainly, not much talk about uh, the election compared to other campaigns. Uh, could it be that to, to many people around the world, it's just that there's a front runner and the election, therefore, is just not as interesting as it could be if things seemed closer, if thing, things seemed that it w- there wasn't this inevitability that the prime minister is going to win re-election? And, and will this recent development uh, where it's been announced that this uh, indictment will likely come out before the election, is that going to stir things up a bit over there? I mean, I think there are a couple answers to the questions you raised about the um, questions of the interest abroad. Uh, I know foreign leaders always ask me about, you know, what what to explain to them what the election is, and I told them nobody in Israel understands how could they, but I, I do tell them. But right now, it's internal. Right now, most of the action has been within the parties where they're selecting the lists and electing chair people, et cetera, deciding who will start new parties, which of the new parties will be able to get to the threshold, because if you don't make 5%, you know, you can't 
you, you can't run. I mean, you can't get into Knesset, so those uh, votes are sort of wasted. Uh, so people are sensitive to it. And then you see somebody like uh, Yatlon, who's going to run a party now, joining with uh, Gantz. Gantz was obviously the big news, his speech, the first public statement since he indicated he was running, I think, a month ago. Uh, got a lot of play, uh, mostly positive reviews. But the question is, how does he sustain that over a period of time? Right now, he he would be the second biggest party. And if he, according to papers, links up with Lapid, according to the current polls, which changed dramatically over time generally, uh, they would um, be the first party. Right. Uh, as you know, the president has to choose which parties. And if Netanyahu was under indictment, he may well decide that somebody else should lead Likud or somebody else should be given the nod to form the coalition if they have the wherewithal to do it. But uh, I think most people assume that barring um, some revelation or something beyond what they already know of the uh, indictments, that he will still be the, the lead party. The question is, can he put together 61 votes or can someone else? And and two months in Israeli or in any politics is a lifetime. And so many things can change. So it's, it's premature. The season has begun. The debates have begun. The accusations against one another are flying. So you do and see we'll a lot of that already. For this whole time. All right. So, you're, you, so you are seeing a lot of that typical Israeli election activity that we are really not. You don't not- see the street signs, you know, which is what you're referring to about, you know, but people, everybody's talking about it. Everybody. The the ferment is growing, and as it gets closer, it will. Bibi, I think, will be doing a lot of foreign travel. I understand he's going to India. He'll go to the Warsaw meeting, uh, which was supposed to be first anti-Iran, but now has a broader agenda, and to the Munich conference, which is a security conference in Germany in mid-February. And he'll be speaking to the Conference of Presidents mission, but that's in Israel. Uh, So I think he will continue doing his his job. I think it's probably the best platform for him to show his talents and try to show that he's accepted on the international scene and that he's a leader in the world community. And and you're saying the indictment or the indictments probably won't have much of an effect on all this because of the you know the the the, the relative uh um, familiarity that everyone already has with all these accusations, right? I mean, basically, everyone knows what's going on. The question is, will there be a formal indictment or not? But I just wonder if the media or parts of the media are prepared that if it becomes official, if there's a real indictment, uh, to, to really put out a full-scale attack on him and whether that will matter. Like, In other words, I hear what you're saying, that you know most of the citizens know what's going on and the real indictment, you know, probably will have little effect. But if the media decides, or a segment of it decides, to really use this as a platform to to go at BB, it, it could alter things. No, absolutely. Uh, one can anticipate that the media, actually, left the center media, will go after him and demand that he uh, step down or step aside until the trial is over. Um, there's no requirement under the law for him to do it. I do, do not think he would do it under any circumstances. And they, they, I don't think they discount the charges, but, you know, they've been around so long, people are, are used to it. It's, there's, there's very little that would shock them now. Uh, the cigars and, and champagne thing they dismiss, that would not be the issue. It will be bribery, anything that could be attributed directly uh, to the prime minister. He would lose seats, there's no doubt, that right. it would have an impact but maybe not enough to, to take 
him out of first place. Only time will tell whether that will be the case. He ha- and and the, the, the Attorney General, by the way, said today that that he can bring, he didn't say he will bring within the month of charges. One second. I, I thought we saw in a Jerusalem Post article that he had said explicitly that this will be done before the elections in April, that, there were, that it will for right. sure be. Yes, he, he did say that, but in today's in some of the papers that I saw said that uh, that he absolutely can bring it, and I think his intention is not to hold up the bringing of the indictment right. and the announcement of it, but the as tr- Netanyahu has repeatedly requested. Right, but the truth is, as we discuss it, it, it would not be the craziest thing if he decided, you know, at a moment's notice that this isn't a good time to do it. I mean, that, that would not be shocking if he changed his mind on that, so... You know, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to see what happens. Um, what, what does it mean that the Palestinian government resigned? I guess I really don't know how it works in terms of President Mahmoud Abbas and this cabinet that he has, and I guess government representatives that they have in some way. But the, the New York Times article basically says that uh, that that whole segment of the government is now no longer part of the PA government. Has there been a major change there? Uh, there's been a major change. In Hamdallah, the prime minister, resigned. Um, when you say you don't know the government, I don't think he uh, that Abbas himself knows very much. But he's in you know in the 14th year of his four-year term, so you know elections are few and far between. This is in preparation for parliamentary elections. He is going to try and create a government only a Fatah, knocking out the uh, Hamas and other groups from uh, the government. There will be protests. There will be uh, there could be hostilities even emerging from it. But right now, that it appears that he wants to solidify his control, and that not only in anticipation of negotiations at some point, but in consolidating the hold, which would really bring a greater rupture between Gaza and and the West Bank, and uh, perhaps you know lead to to the a reckoning on the part of the Hamas about their own leadership and um, creating the infrastructure that they would have separate negotiations, separate everything. Uh, Abbas, as you know, is elderly and has, I hope, is thinking about the future. This is still very much up in the air about what all of this will mean. There are a couple of PLO factions that said we won't participate in the new PA uh, government. There are others that are um, still uh, unresolved, but as you know, many of the of the candidates have militia behind them. That, that it's uh, orderly transitions aren't always the the rule of the day there, and I think it's uh, you know it's of concern. It's interesting that at the same time, Israel and is trying to work with the United States to continue funding for the military uh, security forces. Uh, of the PA, why? Because of the cooperation between them and Israel continues that uh, they are still coordinating and they're still working together. So it becomes so more burdensome. The fund could lead to a collapse so be- of the security forces. It becomes more burdensome on Israel when when there's no financial support from the United States for PA security. Well, if the PA security collapses, then Israel's army is going to have to pick it up. That means becoming the local police. That means having to go into places they don't want to go into. It has uh, a lot of implications that, uh, um, you know, for Israel that would have to fill. It's not because it's perfect. It's because it's, uh, uh, you know, it's the best arrangement we could get. And the cooperation continues even during the time when they weren't all this time when they weren't talking, right. they are still um, 
working together, coordinating some of the raids, some of the approaches to search for criminals, etc. Is is it over? I mean, it's February 1st. Is it officially over? Has the U.S. pulled the funding, or is there still a chance that Israel can convince them to keep it going? I mean, the deadline was February 1st, for it, right? For? For that PA security money coming from the United States. No, the, the, no, the PA security money, well, there's two two different things. One, you're talking about the Gaza money. Right. That was the one that was highly publicized, and that's the money from Qatar. That money has been paid, and 100,000 people supposedly get are supposed to get assistance out of those funds. They were initially rejected, then accepted, then rejected, and it went through various permutations. But now that money is, is there and is supposed, supposed to be distributed. The money that we're talking about is money that Congress approves for uh, and allocates and, con- and the administration uh, appropriates to the Palestinian Security uh, Authority. And that money is going to, it, it, the United States and Israel are now discussing it because there was going to be a cutoff. The administration announced a cutoff. That's what I, uh, I think you were mentioning. Yep. But Israel is trying to see that the money be that money, particularly not the overall funds, which have been cut, should be restored. Right. If you if the U.S. has already made a decision not to not to continue it, they still have an opportunity now in the this week to restore it if they wanted to. To restore the funding. Right. Okay. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is with us. Remember, he is spending Pesach in Puerto Vallarta. And we invite everybody to call and get the information so that you could spend Pesach with him and a whole array of wonderful people with fine dining and a Incredible program. Call 786-290-5919, 786-290-5919, or PesachInVallarta.com, PesachInVallarta.com. Are you telling me that BB had the power for the last 22 years to get rid of the uh, the uh, international observers in Chevron and just decided to do it now? Uh, I wasn't going to tell it to you, but yes. That, that's that's <laughs> <True>. insane. <laughs> And I mean, you know that people have demanded it for a long time. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Which is, yeah, sorry. It doesn't make sense. Why would he? I mean, I understand that there's a campaign going on. He may have done this as a gesture to a certain crowd in Israel. That I understand. But I mean, if if the authority, the prime minister, would have allowed him to get rid of them years ago, because we know they're only there as a detriment. They, the result of their being there is a detriment to Israel. Why wouldn't he have done this long ago? Because it was mandated internationally, the UN involvement, and you know the concern about the reaction, but I think uh, some people will say it's because of the election. Yeah. I don't want to be so cynical. The removal <laughs> of the TIPH. I'm sorry. I, I'm most laughing. Temporary international presence in Hebron, so right. people because they use the initials, and everybody keeps asking me, "What does it stand for?" Right. There have been some very creative interpretations, but it stands for temporary <laughs> international presence in Hebron for 22 years. <laughs> And it involves 64 international civilian observers, um, mostly Europeans, and they they have been patrolling in the area. But in most cases, they've been instigating the problems. We know that they have been uh, even engaged in some violent responses to to the people living to the Jews living there. They clearly resented their. Um, uh, presence and uh, have been accused of working on the delegitimization with the legitimization organizations and others, um, and so this was a, a long uh, way.
long-awaited move, uh, something that has been demanded for a long time to remove them. They did not help the security situation. They're saying they made it uh, the worst yeah. and made it worse. And so now they have been removed by order of the prime minister. It was not renewed, let's say. It wasn't renewed. All right. Well, for whatever reason he did it, I'm glad he did it, frankly. Um, so I mentioned earlier that there are certain countries that are uh, – uh, or certain people that are concerned about Israel's relationship with certain countries, and one of them is the Arab League. They are watching as now Israel has 10 out of uh, – 10 embassies in 54 – out of 54 African countries, 10 embassies, and of course the recent visit to Chad and uh, welcoming other uh, uh, officials from Africa. So the Arab League looks at this – and and what I mean, will they will they try to penalize countries who have relations with Israel? Are they going to take any type of action? How will this play out? I couldn't hear the first part. It went dead for a second there. Well, I mean, there's a resentment among the official Arab League that Israel is infiltrating Africa. Nothing will play out if you look at the attendance at the Arab League meeting. The, 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 all the key guys did not show up. It was foreign ministers. There was no real outcome. Uh, I, I would not be too concerned about the, um, the, and it's a play to the public, not to the, to the leadership. Um, look, there is still the sentiment. We know that there, there is a sentiment, and we know that there are elements in the countries who are still pushing the BDS, bad sanctions, and other things who resent the co-op, growing cooperation uh, with Israel. Um, they, uh, but they also look at, at Iran and they look at some of the other threats at Turkey and they all of a sudden rush back to, to Israel's side. So I would not uh, attribute too much um, to, to this. There are some European countries that are also uh, anxious not to, um, not to have their neighbors associated with Israel as well. And there are some European countries that are continuing the BDS effort and some, and some offering and in some cases passing legislation. That's against this. Well, well, they they are, and we, we should talk about that. But at first, about the money, the EU gave five five point six million dollars in addition to what each of the individual countries are giving to organizations supporting BDS. Wow! And the, so their crocodile tears about anti-Semitism ring very hollow to me when we see that they continue their anti-Israel activities and uh, fomenting what is essentially an anti-Semitic movement. And the apex is what you just alluded to in terms of Ireland and the decision of the parliament, despite the fact that the government does not support it. And I spoke to government officials this week. We met with some. They they do not support this, but they're a minority government, meaning that they have a minority in the parliament, even though they have the control of the of the key positions in government, they could delay this. There's a there's a thing called the money issue, which you know you have to talk and analyze what is the financial implications. The government has also said they believe it's a violation of international their international agreements with the EU that the trade issues are an EU issue, not one for individual uh, uh, countries to to take. So the uh, exactly how fast that will be impacted it will impact we don't know, but the very fact that they passed the, the legislation is a bad sign and one that could be replicated in in other countries and we hope the Irish community here and others who have dealings there will make it be known because Irish companies will not be able to do business in the United States if they are forced to comply with the their anti-Israel uh, measure. They will be in violation of the anti-boycott laws of the United States. 
And, you know, you have a lot of high-tech companies that found Ireland as a tax haven. All of them will be affected by this. So this is, this is far from a one, one-way street, and this has been pointed out. We did to the top officials in, Iran, in Ireland, and, um, and as, again, as I said, the government in this case is not the target. There is uh, a particularly a small party, extremist party, that has been leading this charge uh, and able to secure a majority in both houses of the parliament now to, to pass it. It's, uh, it's very regrettable. It, it, again, sets a precedent, would have implications. And Israel, Ireland trade is actually very significant, and there are many in Ireland who oppose it on those grounds as well. Has the minority government, have the minority, has the minority government's leaders made the, these statements public that they're against it? That you said they said it to you. I'm wondering if they've said it. No, know. no, no. They have said it. The foreign minister spoke out very strongly this week against it. Others have made it clear that they oppose it. They have tried to work with other groups to uh, to, to diminish the support for it. But they don't have a majority, so it became a vote against then against the government too. Tell me about this infrastructure that's in Europe that's uh, that's developing a way to continue to trade with Iran against the United States sanctions. Well, I mentioned the SBVs for some time that they were working on it, but they actually implemented, this is a French-British-German initiative, uh, to create uh, this vehicle where uh, the oil and gas exports of Iran, the sales, would be matched with purchases of EU goods. So nothing would be involving dollar transfers and uh, no SWIFT and not the, and the other things. Um, it would be the transfer would be through this Instex, which is um, a trade exchange. The text part is trade exchange, and it's in support of the trade exchange. Uh, it's a way to bypass the U.S. sanctions. The Europeans have said all along that they would. They're claiming that Iran is in compliance. Of some even American officials, but that's with the very letter. Certainly not the spirit. We know that they are doing many things. They just this week announced that they're shipping 30 tons of yellow cake to be enriched for. They said various purposes, domestic purposes, but of course, that's ridiculous. Uh, this amidst the time when they're cracking down. They arrested 7,000 people uh, because it's the 40th anniversary of the revolution, and they're very concerned about uh, this campaign of, uh, of reprisals and, um, and uh, you know, uh, arrests and, and attempts to put down the people. Uh, for Iran, the uh, the sanctions are a very big issue. They're, they've diminished all of their uh, financial capabilities and capacities greatly. So this is a way to bypass. It will mostly affect small businesses. Now. It will not affect the business businesses because they're not going to risk not being able to do business in the United States for um, the contracts with uh, with Iran, and that's why we've seen them uh, fleeing uh, their their deals with Iran. So this is, I don't think the financial impact is going to be as great. But on the other hand, Europe can say they lived up to their end of the, of the promises. Right, I got that. Uh, Elliot Engel, he's got, some, uh, he's got some trouble from some new members of the Foreign Affairs Committee, huh? Uh, I don't think so. I think he'll, he'll be okay and in control. Um, there is uh, one, particularly, uh, one particular member of concern appointed by um, the speaker who makes the appointments to committees. But um, I think generally the, the overwhelming uh, 
presence of pro-Israel, supportive people. This one congressperson, uh, um, Omar, will not be on the Middle East subcommittee. Again, it's, it's troubling. We'd rather not see on that committee. But frankly, if you go to appropriations or any other committee, they can do equal damage. It's a question of educating them and, and reaching out to the members of Congress to isolate, to criticize, to do what needs to be done to say that association with anti-Semites, engaging in anti-Semitic comments, hostility towards Israel beyond having a political difference is not going to be acceptable. And there's a new group in the Democratic Party that was created and announced this week that whose intention is to strengthen the pro-Israel elements, which still are the majority in the Democratic Party, and to counter some of these extremist voices. Uh, I think this is uh, it's a very welcome and important uh, development. I got that, but if if a member is demanding, and I wish I could find the article this second, if a member is demanding that there be some type of congressional delegation to, Pal- to to Palestine or to the PA. No, that's somebody else. That's not I mean, a member of the committee. That's Taleb who, who asked for congressional funding for Codell, congressional delegation to have official status. I don't think it'll be forthcoming. And she's not a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee. No. No, no, no. The other headline maker. Omar is the member. Right. The other headline maker is. Okay. I'm sorry for confusing that. Uh, so we, we, uh, we started two weeks ago by saying Israel had declared there are no more tunnels. Then last week we said that that may not be the case, and now they actually have reported to the U.N. that there are some started tunnels that haven't actually infiltrated Israel yet that they're confident Hezbollah is responsible for, correct? Correct, and they are demanding that UNIFIL do more to, to stop them. UNIFIL has not done, as, as I think we discussed last week, anything to fill its mandate, which was under Resolution 1701, to bar the transfer of weapons into this area, to keep Hamas, Hezbollah, I mean Hezbollah and terrorist entities out. They are, in fact, the dominant forces. And now, uh, related to this, is the fact that the Lebanese government uh, has been formed under Saeed Hariri, uh, but the Hezbollah will be a significant part of the new government, which is being formed nine months after the election, because there were all these negotiations, and Hezbollah won a majority in the parliament, which has, I think, 128 or 130 seats, and the um, uh, and the Hezbollah is going to get ministries, including the health ministry, and this is uh, obviously uh, of great concern, but it, it solidifies then the answer to the question about what's different from the last Lebanese war, and that is that the, that Hezbollah is part of the government and the governmental infrastructure. It's not a separate entity, and therefore the government has responsibility for it and, and accountability. If any action is taken, uh, Israel will not have to limit itself as it did in the past. There were officials of the Russian government in Jerusalem this week, right? There were two officials who came to keep up the coordination, according to the Russian officials, and to uh, talk about the, I mean, primarily about Syria, and uh, the Russians and uh, it wants to be, and Israelis want to be coordinated, at least in their responses to some of the dangers. The Iranians have been very critical of Russia this week for not firing the S 300s So were some Syrians, um, but. Uh, the question is what will happen in the future when Iran has people who are control uh, who, who uh, of their own who will be put in control because they're training them. Uh, so it's a, it's a very fluid situation. Uh, and again, you see all the interrelationships of Iran's involvement, Turkey's involvement, Hezbollah, Hamas, the flow of funds, why Israel has to act in Syria, why the Russian-Israeli cooperation is so essential. 
uh, and the role of the U.S. and especially the the vote this week in the Senate, uh, what was 62 to 38, I think, or 20, no, 23, about the um, uh, against the president's withdrawal of our troops from Afghanistan and and Syria, and the fact that. Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, Republican, authored it and championed it, is certainly significant, and it, it reflects, uh, you know, the, I think the sentiment, broad sentiment that that we can't just pull out, that leaving a vacuum, even of 2,000 troops, which is relatively um, small amount, but their presence there was very symbolic, very important, also to block the transnational. Uh, land grab by Iran through Iraq, Syria, and uh, Lebanon to the Mediterranean. So the um, you know that became uh, a highlight again, focused on. Uh, so far, the United States has not withdrawn, and the uh, question is, what happens with our military? What happens to our air force base? Do we keep planes there? Do we keep an active force, even if it's smaller? What the the ultimate construct will look like will be very important and have broad ramifications. I think. Is there a um, is there any type of legal hold that this Senate vote has over the White House, or the president literally would just have to change his mind? Uh, no, I think the president can change his mind. I think that the um, you can come up with. I don't believe you can make really honest security arrangements with the Russians, the Turks, or Iran. They don't trust each other, and we certainly can't trust any of them. Uh, I can tell you the Kurds we met with this week are worried out of their minds. You know, others uh, look at this withdrawal and, and, and think back to a few years ago to American policy then. The concern is, is America withdrawing from its responsibilities in the Middle East? I don't believe that they uh, that's the intent, but the the perception becomes then the reality for many people. So the uh, and I think that that was the reflection of the Senate vote that that it's it's premature. Nobody wants to see American troops committed abroad. <clears throat> Nobody wants to see, God forbid, body bags coming back. But we we also have responsibilities, and American presence is is really critical. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, by the way, on the Russia thing, someone asked me this week, um, are Israel and Russia on the same page vis-a-vis Syria and Iran? I thought that was such a great question because it seems to change every week. <laughs> if someone asked you if Israel and Russia are on the same page vis-a-vis Syria and Iran, what would you answer? Is, is who on the same page vis-a-vis Iran and Syria? Israel and Russia. Is Israel and Russia on the same page? Uh, no. Uh, first of all, <laughs> well, that's why the two guys were there this week, was to help coordinate it. Look, I do think that the common interest is not to see Iran become dominant. Russia doesn't want to see it. Israel won't allow it. Absolutely can't see it. Uh, they may have they have differences over the degree to which and the actions that have to be taken. But the fact is that Russia did not activate the S-300 or with their people. Um, I think that they have allowed Israel a lot of... Uh, free reign in, in going after and carrying out the attacks. So to that degree, yes, they have a common approach, common interests. Um, but the uh, Russia wants to maintain its permanent presence there. It, is, it has been successful in maneuvering itself into a position of having the Air Force base, the Army base, but they also look at the areas being taken over by the Iranians, replacing populations, expanding their influence, building up the militia. The last thing they want to see, I think, is Iran 
moving the, the Shiite crescent through Iraq and Syria, and uh, already in Beirut, as we talked about before. And, uh, and then there's another party that's Turkey, which has its own set of interests, and the three of them have been meeting. I do not believe that they have a commonality of interest. Israel's interest is in protecting its border, preventing Iran from getting close, as its goal is. We, we, they talked about how many times Iran every day tries to try cyber espionage against Israel and, and cyber attacks, etc. That uh, the Iranians are also not uh, sitting quietly by. And the, the announcement about the, the yellow cake, the announcement that they can destroy Israel in three days, you know, they're still trying to provoke, even regardless of whether you take it as seriously that they can do it. You can't dismiss uh, the, the threats and the fact that they are still growing their military and using the funds that they get for uh, the support of terrorism and their own uh, aspirations. And we see that in Venezuela, where Iran, you know, has a big presence. And I think if Maduro is indeed overthrown, this will be a big blow to them and their activities, their massive activities throughout the continent. Uh, although they have late moved into countries, other countries, including Colombia and Panama, but the, um, um, the uh, you know, so Iran is pursuing its goals where it wants the. Four states, the, the transnational Shiite crescent is very critical on their agenda. Their domestic situation continued to deteriorate, as we saw this week. There are now sinkholes appearing everywhere because of the depletion of water around Tehran. Uh, also, the um, economic conditions are deteriorating. I don't believe that the European lifeline through this new arrangement is going to help. So the, the question is, can they, will they continue to allocate this much money? I think Israel is trying to highlight the losses that they, uh, they have suffered and the cost that it has entailed for the Iranian people to know. And you saw it at the protests where they were yelling, we will not die for Gaza, we will not die for Hezbollah, we will die for Iran. And Amazing. it's a statement that they, they don't want to support these activities. Malcolm, as much as we're behind schedule, I must end with this because you're in Israel. During a school trip last week near Shiloh in the West Bank, quote-unquote, a boy found a 2,000-year-old coin from the Second Temple era rule of Herod Agrippa, the last king of Judea. Your reaction? As, as always, I think that if, if people can think that you can just walk, and, and because of the heavy rains also, they found uh, another family found uh, horses that were more than 2,000 years old designs, and we could, we could talk about this. But it's such an exciting and historic uh, find. Uh, I know that the Israel Antiquities Authority uh, was very excited about it, and, and it shows that all these Ex uh, uh, examples that are just popping up from the ground all of a sudden after thousands of years. Does anybody think it's just a coincidence? Does everybody think that it's just happening? Or do they see a much deeper significance to it? Yeah, think about that, everybody, and discuss it with your children and grandchildren over Shabbos. Yeah, discuss over Shabbos. By the way, Malcolm, I meant to ask you about grandchildren. Um, when visiting Israel, must a grandfather take grandchildren out to a very fancy restaurant, or is a mid-level restaurant sufficient? What is your opinion on this matter? <laughs> First of all, I don't know, we always have a choice, but the, I think mid-level is fine. Comparing to Yeshiva food, they'll be very happy. As long as you're together with them, right? That's the only important thing. Absolutely. <laughs> have a wonderful Shabbos. Enjoy your Shalayim. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Ha, ha, ha.
earlier in the before we went on the air this morning, I had uh, spoken to one of uh, Malcolm's grandsons and commented how uh, it's likely that he's eating better this week than typically <laughs> as Malcolm's visiting Jerusalem. Anyway, Baruch Hashem. 25 minutes after 8 o'clock Friday morning, it's Erev Shabbos. Don't forget, Kosher Halftime Show is Sunday, presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm. Mayor K directs it. It's going to be a very funny show. Daniela Haviel, the Hasidic violinist from Israel. Sammy K, the Orthodox Jewish rapper from Atlanta. They are both featured in the Jewish and the kosher halftime show for this coming Sunday. Thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm. Thank you to all of our commercial sponsors. Thank you to everybody who made the week in Atlanta so amazing. A lot of people out there. Uh, all the rabbis, the Schloss family, Naftali Herman and the OU, uh, Mayor Fertig and the American and Rachel Wolf and the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem, Steinreich Communications, everybody who was part of the team, which was so extensive and amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This time each and every Friday morning, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pavshas Mishpatim. According to the Chinuch, Pavshas Mishpatim contains 53 mitzvos, 23 positive and 30 restrictions. In addition, before we start to take a look at some of the specific mitzvos of Mishpatim, the very end of Mishpatim, chapter 24, Perich of Dalid, Rashi tells you in the very beginning of his commentary on this Perik, Parsha Zu Nimra Kodem Aseris Hadibros. This Perik, Perik of Dalid, was said and occurred prior to last week's Parsha of Yisro and the Aseris Hadibros, and you have in the end of this week's parsha, the famous commitment of Bnei Yisrael in Pasuk Zion, whereby they say, Kol Hashem, all which Hashem has said, Na'asevenishma, first we commit ourselves to the obligation of performing, and then afterwards, Venishma, we will study and uh, continue to study Hashem's Torah. I'd like to point out that Parshas Mishpatim, which literally means laws, and we remind ourselves every morning in the Pesuki de Zimra that we say that Hashem you did not do similarly for all other nations who Mishpatim you did not give them Mishpatim. The very first letter of Parshas Mishpatim reminds us that there is this concept of Mishpatim, which are ve'ele, and these are the laws which are a continuation from last week. And just as last week's Ten Commandments were misinai, came from heaven, so too do our mishpatim come from heaven. And I'd like to give one specific case regarding the laws that, quote, come from heaven. 
So the Gemara tells us in Bava Kama that there is a concept in Halacha of Grama <coughs> Benizikin, whereby if a person damages, but the damage is not done directly. So I'll give a specific example. <coughs> Mr. A says to Mr. B, uh, please, your dog is bothering me, keeps me up all night by barking. So Mr. B ignores him. One day, one week, two weeks, after a while, Mr. A cannot help himself anymore. And he takes two witnesses, and he takes a bone, he laces the bone with poison, throws it over the fence at 6 o'clock at night time. That's it. 7 o'clock at night time, the witnesses are still there, and the dog is barking. 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, the bark, the dog is barking. Midnight, shh, it's quiet. And finally, Mr. A can sleep that night. In the morning, Mr. B wakes up, out, he finds his dog dead, sees the bone, puts two and two together, says to Mr. A, I'll see you in Besden. Well, they come to Besden, and Mr. B says, Mr. A killed my dog. And Mr. A describes what he did. Now, if Mr. A had taken a gun and shot, had he taken a knife and killed, for sure he'd be obligated. Hearing the case... What does the Gemara tell us that the Bezdin says? They say to Mr. A, You are potor medine adam. You are exempt from the letter of the law, from the law of man, because you did not kill the dog directly. However, you are chayav bedine shamayim. You are obligated vis-a-vis heaven. Now stop right there and listen to what the Torah, HaKadosha, is teaching us that aside from laws that we can enforce man to man, there are laws that the Jew should be aware of that he does not want to violate man to God because after all, we all have a personal relationship with God. And how can I come to God tomorrow morning? How could Mr. A, come to God tomorrow morning and say, please, give me, give me, give me, give me my health, give me my wealth, give me parnasa, give me, give me intelligence, when, after all, he does not comply with Hashem's rules, which are not only those specifically contained in our Torah, but that's why we have the oral law to teach us that there is just as in the area of mitzvos, there is hidur mitzvah, sakeli v'anvehu, to go beyond the letter of the law, so too in conjunction with our laws as well, our civil laws. Now, I'd like to point out a very significant observation. There are mitzvos which are asetov, doing good for somebody else. 
For example, in this week's parsha, you have the mitzvah of in kesef is ami to lend another Jew money, and just know that when one Jew lends another Jew money, he's not permitted to take interest. If, however, he is investing in his business, that's a different story, and for that there is a heter iska, and if anyone needs that, <clears throat> they should see their local rav who'd be able to guide them in the filling out and having a heter iska. But aside from asay tov, which is to do good in a positive, there is the aspect of sur meirah, which is that a person is to prevent and hold himself back from doing bad. And I'd like you to note that the majority of the laws found in Parshas Mishpatim, many of them are all about a person preventing himself from doing harm. And in fact, I'd like you to ask a very basic question. We know that you're not permitted to damage the next one. But if I were to ask you, show me the pasuk in the Torah that specifically says that you are to prevent you and your property, you and your possessions from harming somebody else. So interestingly, in the Shelos and Shuvos Chasam Sofer, he quotes the pasuk of Lo Samod Aldam Reecha, that just as you're not to stand by when the person's life and his property is being damaged, so too you can't damage the next one. As well as as you have to take care and protect your body, so too you have to protect that of the next one and his possessions, a kind of extension of in the Birkas Shmuel, he brings in the name of Reb Chaim that the obligation of a person to make sure <clears throat> that he and his possessions do not damage comes from, interestingly, Chiyuv Kofer. Kofer is that if Chas Shalom, a person's ox, um, not the first time, but after that, killed a, another, killed a, a human being. So what is the halacha? The halacha says that you have to pay kofer. Kofer is a form of kapara, a form of atonement for the individual for clearly <clears throat> killing another individual. While you didn't do it yourself, your animal is, in this case here, the Torah says, an extension of you. And therefore, once again, the idea is that the person did not watch his um, uh, possessions. And the Birkas Shmuel continues and says, in the name of Reb Chaim, that the origin of your not damaging someone else comes from the low Yishmerenu Be'olav, that the owners did not sufficiently watch their possessions. In other words, in civil law, 
you have the primary obligation. If you damage, you pay. In Judaism, you have the primary obligation of preventing your possessions from damaging in the first place. And I'd like to share with you to bolster this idea of how careful a person has to be in terms of watching their property and indeed watching themselves, sur meirah, making sure that they do not harm the next one. They nor their property. The, there are many stories in the Talmud regarding the great Tana Rav Pinchas ben Yoir. In the Bavli, in the Gemara Chulin, Daf Zion Amar Aleph, we find that Rav Pinchas ben Yoir was on the way to be Podesh Ruyim, to redeem captives, and he came upon the river. He needed to cross the river. There was no time to wait, and so he ordered the river to split for him, and indeed it did. In the Yerushalmi, Demai, we find the similar situation that Repinchas <clears throat> Benyar, this time not going to uh, redeem captives, he was going to the base Havad, <clears throat> and he had the waters split for him. His Talmidim asked him, Rebbe, would this work for us if we were going to the base Havad? Would the waters split for us as well. And his answer to them was especially powerful. He says, and I quote, whoever knows about himself that he has never disgraced another Jew, he may cross and his merit in the next world will not be reduced. Wow, what a prerequisite and what a criteria the criteria is he never embarrassed never disgraced another Jew what a powerful lesson Parshas Mishpatim comes and teaches us unfortunately too often we are too free with our speech and don't realize beforehand the hurt, the harm that our speech can do one person to another, one spouse to another. And too often, once that negative speech has been said, the lasting reverberation of, but you said it, but you said it, comes back to haunt the person. And therefore, the important lesson of Parshas Mishpatim when you and I might read it and say to ourselves, my goodness get with it we don't have oxen these days and people are not um, opening uh, pits and um, other such damages 
in the public way, how relative is Pashas Mishpatim to me? And the answer is a resounding very, because the Torah is speaking to each and every one of us and says how careful we are to be with our property to make sure in no way are we encroaching and usurping on the area of the next one. But as we say every morning and afternoon and night, the way we conclude every Shemona Esrei Elokai, Nitzor Lishonim Meira, Hashem, please guard my tongue from evil. Just with those persons who I am especially close, may my speech with them only be pleasant, positive, and uplifting as opposed to chas v'shalom, harmful and negative. Shabbat shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. There we go. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Parshas Mishpatan tomorrow. We bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh uh, is Tuesday and Wednesday. Rosh Chodesh Adar 1 will be Tuesday and Wednesday. Matis back Sunday morning. He uh, sat shiva for his mother. We wish him the very best going forward, of course. Only smachot for the wine guest family. He will be um, uh, d- taking care of JM Sunday, this coming Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. So join him for that. Um, tomorrow night, Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami. That starts at 9 p.m. Kosher Halftime Show presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm. That's Sunday night. We make it available on our website, NahumSiegel.com, on the uh, Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Network. See it on our YouTube channel. It's all over the place. Thank you to all of our wonderful commercial sponsors. Some really nice commercials this year. Thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm. It's going to be a fun, nice, interesting, comedic kosher halftime show. Directed by Mayor Kay. Um, That's all coming up this coming Sunday. Thanks, everybody, who made Atlanta so amazing. Great journey down there. It was really wonderful. Wonderful broadcast. It was just fantastic. Baruch Hashem. And um, a week from Monday, here was the announcement we promised regarding Shlomo Katz. A week from Monday, Shlomo Katz here live in studio. A week from Monday, Shlomo Katz live in studio here at JMNAM. Listener Morris says, good Shabbos to all. Nine hours left here in New York City. Can't wait. It would definitely be better in Jerusalem, but Shabbos is still awesome in Brooklyn. Thank you, Morris. We agree with you on that. Brooklyn or anywhere, frankly. Um, Baruch Hashem. Um, yeah. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos with Yaakov Shweki.
J.M. and A.M. Friday morning. Oh, yes. Kamu Vaneha, that's Yaakov Shweki here at J.M. and the A.M. Don't forget, coming up, it's uh, Naomi Nachman. Table for two between 9 and 10 at 10 o'clock. It's the Arab Shabbat Show presented by Kedem. Mark Zamek has uh, spent a lot of time this week with the uh, Lave Tahar selections. He has a lot of great Lave Tahar selections coming up during the Arab Shabbat Show. After that, it's the uh, Harry Rothenberg video blog for Parshas Mishpatim. After that, it's going to be the uh, Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. As uh, we continue through a Friday, there is no reason for you to have your phone, your um, iPad, your um, your computer anywhere else but here on the Nahum Segal Network all through a Friday. Simple as that. There's no, I cannot think of any other reason or any other, or any reason, frankly, (laughs) to have, to have your, um, uh, your phone, your iPad, your iPhone, et cetera, anywhere else, right on this app 
the Nahum Siegel Network app, and we'll take very, very good care of you all through the day. Friday, Erev Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish 
moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSingle.com. At the NahumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. And that will do it for an amazing and incredible week here at JM and the AM. I thank all of you, of course, for tuning in and being part of this great experience. Thanks to the American Committee for Charitetic Medical Center in Jerusalem and our friends at the Orthodox Union for making this a great week in Atlanta. Go Rams, of course. Uh, Sunday, Kosher Halftime Show brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm. Pay careful attention for it. It'll be everywhere. Sunday night available at halftime during the game. Starring Orthodox rapper Sammy Kay and violinist from Israel, Daniela Javiel. It's a funny kosher halftime show, everybody. <laughs> and uh, enjoy it on Sunday night. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.